welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. I'm very excited to have Tanae White on today's episode. She was a senior communications analyst for government agencies and is now the 2021 Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Rookie of the Year. Talk about quite a pivot. And guess what? We do talk about it. We talk about how she got into working for these government agencies in their social media realm and how she decided on kind of a whim to try out for the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Contest. She didn't make it her first time. Guess what? She made it to the top her second time. We talk about that sort of tenacity, her uh, relationship experiences, her uses of social media, what the modeling world is actually like, the highs and the lows, all of it. She is just so lovely. So please enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep with Tanae White. Let's do this. Tanae, I'm so excited to talk to you. I think you have such a fascinating and cool story. Um, and you you just have such a... I don't love the term like multi-hyphenate, but it, it does describe a bit of who you are. And I'm always curious for people and guests that we have that kind of operate in that world. How do you describe what it is that you do? <laughs> um, I think I just summarize it as I'm a model and entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. But if you want to deep dive, I am a former airspace communication specialist turned model. <laughs> <laughs> just... The thing that everyone would suspect about you, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> now, let's walk through this journey, okay? Because it's so interesting to me. So you graduated from the University of Maryland uh, in economics, and then you got a master's from Georgetown yep. after. Okay. And then how do we go from that to uh, working in what you said, senior communication analysts? Yep. Okay. Uh, How do we go to there? Yeah. So uh, my master's degree was in public relations and corporate communications. And I was leading the social media marketing for a lot of federal agencies in the DC area. Um, And yeah. And so in my last role, uh, I worked for one of the largest aerospace and defense agencies in the world. I was leading their social media marketing, both in the US and in the UK. And during that experience, I was scrolling on Instagram, you know, on a weekday or whatever, just, you know, personally. And I saw an open call for Sports Illustrated Swimsuit for their model search. And I tried out that my first time ever modeling um, out of 10,000 women, I made it as a top 16 finalist. And I know. And the next year I was like, okay, I'll give it one more try because I got so close And I ended up winning with fellow rookie Kathy Jacobs. And that sort of pushed me to dive into modeling. You know, the master's degree will always be there. You know, the the defense (laughs) agency will always be there. But I think that especially in an agency or agency in an industry that's so focused on age, um, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I gave it my all while I still could. That's so fascinating. I want to go back a little bit. What is it like? running social media for like a, a government agency. <laughs> like what are, <laughs> I mean, I, are you making GIFs? Are you making memes? Or are mm-hmm. you just trying to put out really you are? Yes, all of that. Wow. Um, on my uh, professional portfolio website, I call myself a GIF making wizard. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, awesome. <laughs> I think that uh, for me and my specialty, I really specialize in you know, taking really complex terminology and making it uh, digestible 
um, yeah. content that can be translated into social media for large companies, whether it be the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs or, wow. you know, let's say a company like Boeing. Like yeah. it, it sounds very complex, but it's just it's almost the same way you would manage your own personal social media, just mm-hmm. at a larger scale with a lot more hands involved. Wow. That is so fascinating to me. And just, I mean, how many different approvals did you have to get on something before you posted it? (laughs) Uh, Well, I would say about two. But um, mm-hmm. actually, after my first year with the company, I got promoted to a managerial level. So I was mm-hmm. sort of calling the shots. <laughs> cool. Cool. I mean, I one, I appreciate like, it seems like the through line of what you do is you are very dedicated. Like you said, you tried, first of all, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit contest, having no experience modeling. Like what was that just kind of see it on a whim, feel like I have nothing to lose, may as well try situation? <laughs> um, honestly, I think it was a calling from some higher power because yeah. my childhood dream was to become a model. Okay. But my parents are like, there's no money in that. There's no stability in that. You know, make sure you go to college and, mm-hmm. you know, work your way up the corporate ladder, you know, white picket fence and all this stuff, you know, just yeah. like, you know, stay to the beaten path. Yeah. Um, and I always had this, creative side to me, of course, you know, being in my professional field, but here mm-hmm. and there I would model for friends, but it was very okay. casual. It wasn't anything at a sports illustrated level, you yeah. know? And so I would say out of the thousands of women who competed, I was the most green and the person with the least amount of experience. Mm-hmm. So I think that experience truly gave me the courage to take a leap and, you know, okay, I've done the stability route, which is fine, but maybe I can bring this childhood dream to life. Oh, that's so cool. And entering the first time, obviously you get to see kind of how the inner workings go. So you get some knowledge, you get some experience. And then to do it again, was that just like, I know how this contest works. I know I can do this. I will say the second time around, I definitely had a lot more confidence, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you just never know what the brand is looking for. So as much like the first year I had confidence, I was like, I made it this far far out of all these women. Like, there's no way they're not going to put me in the magazine. Like, there's (laughs) no way. Like, I I earned this spot. And then like, come to find out, I didn't make it into the next round to be in the magazine. So I definitely want to say that the second time around, I came in a bit more humbled, but Mm. still confident, but like a quiet confidence. Like, hmm, like I know my power, but let's see if I'm, you know, the person they want this time around. Yeah. And that must be interesting too, because then you don't have to take it so, so personally if they don't choose you because it's they're whatever, like you said, they're looking for obviously changes year to year. Totally. The first year I was devastated when I didn't make it because I was telling friends and family, like, I know I'm in it. I know I'm in it. I just feel it in my soul. I know it. And yeah. then it happened. I was like, why? <laughs> so this second time around, I was just like, you know what? Like, I, I don't want to come in too confident, but I also don't want to speak um, poorly upon myself and my potential. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. going to remain as neutral as I can. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's kind of great life advice, too. The, exactly. Um, what, so the experience then after you win, what happens? Yeah, so um, essentially you're all hoping to make it to the top six spot. Okay. Each year they have six finalists from Swim Search who get to have their page in the magazine. Okay. And then from there, once you're in the magazine and it's published, 
they'll later announce who is the winner. And when you're a winner, you get to come Mm. back the next year as a coveted rookie. Whoa. So you didn't even know until after the magazine was published. Nope. Whoa. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's like a reality show where they film two winners winning at the end. And then the winners don't actually know until it airs live on television. Right. They should totally do a TV show about it. (laughs) I would truly watch that. Now, one of the coolest things I think about you is that one, you're just very real on all of your social media. It doesn't feel like a facade at all. You're very candid um, and you talk a lot about mental health and you're a big advocate for making like that a normalized conversation. Yeah. Um, where where did that come from for you? Uh, it comes from a very personal experience. Um, so mm. I had suffered from depression since I want to say was 12. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I was 16 years old, I actually lost a friend to suicide. Um, and so I've always had a personal connection to the mental health arena. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the time it was never really talked about, you know, like no one knew that I was suffering. I didn't tell, tell it to anyone, not to my parents. I had one friend, I had a ton of friends, but only one friend knew. And that's because they were going to do similar feelings. Mm. So we sort of over AOL, AIM, yep, yep, <laughs> we were yep. able to like, you know, vent to each other and just sort of support each other uh, behind closed doors. But no one knew, like looking yeah. from the outside and you would never know. I was a top tier athlete, stellar student. Like I excelled in everything I did, which of mm-hmm. course I'm not trying to brag, but like you would just never know right. from what I presented myself on the outside that I was actually hurting a lot on the inside. And yeah. so that actually inspired me once I hit college to start an advice column Uh, Mm. At the time it was called Brazen Backbone and I used it as an advice column to support, you know, young adults or teenagers who are either being bullied or going through like depression or even suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had that advice column all the way up through college and it's no longer active, but I think that's sort of transpired into what I do now, which is every Friday, I sort of use dance uh, to symbolize uh, freedom, uh, freedom of your mind, freedom of Mm -hmm. bad thoughts. Um, and so I dance, I make myself look like a fool every Friday. I call it (laughs) feel good Friday. And it's a fact that when you dance, when you're moving, even when you're running, like you, the endorphins start going, you feel better. And so that's sort of what I'm trying to encourage people to do. And I'm trying to make it into like a mental health awareness movement. (laughs) I think it's great because also like the world of mental health, can be so overwhelming of like, there's so much information out there. There's so many ways to approach your mental health. And I think that's a simple, but also really like, um, profound way to do it. Just getting in touch with your body, just moving, just feeling like the mind body connection a little bit. Yeah. Are there other things you do? Cause I can imagine, cause you're in New York now, right? Yes. Okay. And so I'm sure, or I can assume, or maybe you can tell us uh, that the modeling world in New York is, can be really intense. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, I just moved to New York two months ago, so I'm very fresh here. And before that I was in the DC area Mm -hmm. um, for the last six years and commuting back and forth to New York for castings or jobs or work was definitely challenging. And, you know, it's industry has made such a transformation from what we've known about it 10 years ago, or even 10 years prior to that. Um, but it still is a, not only physically challenging, you know, job, you know, you're on your feet for like eight to 10 hours a day, you're shooting, you're moving, you know, you're doing all this, you're trying on 20 different outfits, but also mentally, because when you go to a casting, you're not sure if 
you know, the brand likes you or not, you want to present your best self and then you feel defeated if they don't go with you. And then it's a lot of inner workings as well. And I, I think that people overlook that side of the industry. Yeah. Do you, when you're going into a different brand or to a different casting, do you kind of assess the type of brand it is and sort of try to operate more in that, that lane? 100%. And I like to connect it back to what I do with like social media marketing. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a nonprofit, um, Mm -hmm. you're going to speak maybe a little more formally. If you have like a hair brand, you're going to be maybe a little more fun with your wording. Mm -hmm. Same applies when you go to a casting. If it's like, let's say a client like Versace, you Mm want to give them that very you know, high fashion look, you know, edgy. But then let's say if you're doing a client like Kohl's, maybe you want to be a little more relatable. So like, you know, a t-shirt, jeans, you know, casual, you know, sort of really and connect to the brand that way. Have you had a standout awkward casting or audition or go see or anything like that? Not awkward. Okay. Um, (laughs) But there was one casting And I want to say I felt defeated only because I had taken like a a 5am bus from Maryland to the casting. And it was a lot of women there being casted. And I literally sat there for maybe 15 minutes. You give them your comp card. They look at your comp card. They, you know, they go through the whole pile Mm -hmm. and then they will literally come around and, um, uh, give you your either your comp card back or just tap on the shoulder and be like, it was such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> and that's your sign to go. <laughs> so after 15 minutes, after, you know, this two hour bus drive or excuse me, four hour bus ride yeah. um, to be at the casting for only 15 minutes. I, uh, I can't lie. I cried. Once I stepped outside the doors, I cried on the sidewalk. <laughs> it's, it is true. I mean, that is like going back to what you're saying that people I think can look at the modeling world and think it's just this like shallow flippant, world and it's truly like the emotional it's emotionally taxing that you're constantly putting yourself out there 100 to rejection that's so wild yeah it, it's tough it's grueling I, I don't think people understand how much you really have to hustle and grind to make yourself successful in this industry because it is so large yeah is there a dream client that you are aiming to work for yes so Luckily, over the pandemic, I had the opportunity to work with Fenty Beauty through a oh, social cool. media partnership. But I would absolutely love anything Rihanna. Fenty yeah. Beauty, Savage X Fenty. Like, I would love, love, love to be in one of their campaigns one day. Put it out there. Manifest yeah. it. Thoughts are things. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, I have, guess what? A bunch more questions for you. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Not, not, not. Hi, friends. Grace Helbig here from the podcast Not Too Deep, which you are currently listening to, hosted by me, Grace Helbig. Just wanted to say a couple of things. One, thank you so much for listening. And two, if you are enjoying yourself to such a degree that you'd love to leave us a um, review on the Apple Store, that would be so appreciated because again you are very appreciated for giving us your time your ears your attention whatever it may be uh and that was my couple of things now back to me me okay we're back in now you have a youtube channel you have a tiktok you do a lot of social media um and one of the things i thought was really cool on your youtube channel you did a series kind of documenting this post breakup 
um, uh, <laughs> situation for you. And I'm, I'm wondering, and it was very candid and very raw amidst yeah. you being this, you know, rookie of the year situation. <laughs> and I just appreciated like the complexity that you're putting out there of yourself. Was that, uh, helpful for you? Like, what was the drive to do that? So <laughs> I guess to keep it simple, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my boyfriend of five years broke up with me, Ugh. um, which was obviously very devastating and little known to me, it mm. would be a month right before my rookie photo shoot for Sports Illustrated. Wow. So even shooting for the brand as it, you know, it was a dream that I worked so hard for. Yeah. And it was even hard to be present in that moment shooting because of the breakup. It was just so hard. Yeah. Um, but I think that me recording the process of going through heartbreak and healing was therapeutic for me. And I wanted to document it because sort of like we, what we were talking about with mental health, like on social media, all we see are picture perfect lives. Yeah. Everything is contrived and perfectly mm -hmm. edited. And as much as we all play into that, mm -hmm. at some point, I even realized like I'm a part of this problem. And so that's why mm. I be, I've tried to become so real with like real with sharing, you know, the mental health challenges I may go through or like yeah. if I have a bad day. And so this sort of fell into that bucket of like, okay, no one ever talks about their breakup. You see that, yeah. you, you know, you, you see in the news, okay, so-and-so broke up with so-and-so. Then two months later, oh, so-and-so is now dating so-and-so. Yeah. It was like, okay, but what, what, where was the process in between? What happened and so, in the middle? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened? <laughs> so this is, this was me sharing my, what happened. And then gotcha. especially as uh, a person of color, like, I feel like it's, there's a lot of pressure in being perfect in addition mm -hmm. to everything else, simply because sometimes it feels like we're 10 steps behind, no matter how hard we work. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to show that like, there is beauty and heartbreak. You don't have to be perfect all the time. This is a, the reality of the situation. This is my journey with love. Yeah. Um, and self-love, um, and you know, there, there's, there's healing, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It all sort of connects. Um, yeah. and so while I haven't really talked about my like journey with dating since, you know, that process I had, I think I have like 10 episodes out. Um, <laughs> I want to pick it up again and maybe transform it into like a dating advice type of channel. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. <laughs> I think people could use that more than ever, especially dating in the pandemic is such a wild, wild west situation. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, what are your thoughts on like, you know, the you up texts that people. Uh, I despise it. Yeah. <laughs> what you do when you up, Hey, at midnight, like, what do you want? Can you save it for tomorrow at 9am? Thanks. I'm sleeping. Yeah. We have t go to bed. Go <laughs> to bed. What do you want? Are you okay? <laughs> do you need help? <laughs> totally. I mean, I would, I would think it would be super helpful to give some sort of love advice situation. Um, with that, what do you think is the best way to break up with someone? Or is there no best way? There is not a best way because yeah. it really depends depends on the situation. If you are in a relationship that is abusive, mm -hmm. I would say do it over text yeah. and then block the person, change the locks, move to a different location, wherever. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a relationship where you've only been together for, let's say, two months, uh, it would be nice if you were to tell them face to face. But I could also understand why you'd be uncomfortable to tell them that. Mm -hmm. But like, let's say you're in a relationship for five years. Don't text them. Hey, I don't, <laughs> hey, I don't want to yeah. be with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's different scenarios for each situation. 
I, uh, you're absolutely right. I think the longer it goes, I mean, it also, I guess, depends on understanding the person that you're breaking up with too. And like what they, but I mean, there's no good way about it at all. It's going to hurt someone in the end. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, okay. Now we're going to go to a little bit of lighter subject. Um, I'm going to ask you the two questions. I ask every single guest that is on the podcast. Um, and the first is who alive or dead would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? Alive or dead. Hmm. Oh, that is a good question. And this is something we, we realize that this answer can change, uh, on a, <laughs> a daily basis, an hourly basis. It's just who in this moment right now comes to mind. Ah, okay. Oh, (laughs) I will go ahead. I'll take the easy way out and I'll say, I'll go with alive and I'll say my ex. (laughs) Okay. That's very, very fair. Very fair. A great answer. Um, Okay. The other question I ask every single guest uh, is to tell us your worst pants shitting story. Or like a <laughs> a bathroom emergency story, but you can only use three words or small phrases to describe the situation. So, for example, mine is college jogging front lawn. <laughs> um, mine is... Oh, I love that you have one that comes to mind right away. <laughs> I have a few actually. <laughs> oh, I love Mine that. is Washington DC okay. traffic McDonald's cup. Wow. Okay. Well, no follow-up questions truly paints a picture. Uh, <laughs> okay. Now moving back into slightly more serious territory, we have a section of the podcast called deep and hot, where I ask you a deep question that we have prepared for you. And uh, ask for your hot take on something that we have prepared for you. So let's start with the deep question. Do you think wanting to be pretty is ultimately shallow? Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, Am I allowed to expand on that? Yes, please. Uh, I love that. (laughs) Um. I think to an extent it is shallow simply because we are all more than what meets the eye. Mm. Um, And of course we all have to go through our own journey of self-love to come to terms with that statement. But Mm. at the end of the day, you can achieve prettiness with makeup, with hair products, with Photoshop, with Mm -hmm. surgery, but that's not going to change who you are on the inside. Cause Mm. as much as you tweak on the outside, if you still don't feel good on the inside, none of that is going to matter. Um, Mm. And so I think that especially in today's world where everything is picture focused, video focused, what are you doing? Perfect, perfect, perfect. We're starting to see that a lot of times people put on this facade that just isn't real. It looks pretty, but like what else? Like Mm. what else is going for you? Like, really tell me about it. Like, I want to know you personally. I want to be able to relate to you. And Mm. unfortunately, as gorgeous as you may be, whoever Mm. may be like, I, I need more than just your good looks. Like everyone's pretty now. What else is there? Mm. We need substance. I love that answer. Is there, do you uh, read any like uh, books on mental health or self-help? Do you like follow anyone or have any recommendations for any of that? Yes. Uh, One of my favorite self-help books is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. 
Oh, I um, haven't read that one Mark. yet. Yes. Mark, I always call him Mark Ronson, but that's a, that's a musician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Mark, Mark, <laughs> hey Mark. Um, but yeah, it's literally changed the way I perceived myself because I'm a type A person where I like, I, I'm driven by perfection and looking mm-hmm. good and being good and doing good and excelling, excelling, excelling to the point where it's driven me into the ground and I feel bad, you know, like the second yeah. I close the door behind myself to get into my house, I'm crying. Um, and I think that he puts it into perspective that, you know, the thoughts that you have, that especially the ones that are negative, are they as important as you make them seem? And mm. at the end of the day, is that going to affect if you were to, if you were to leave this earth mm-hmm. tomorrow, yeah. would that be your focus right now? Um, and so mm. I feel like a lot of the, the insights that he shared in his book, I've pulled and taken away. And I read his book maybe like six years ago and it stays yeah. with me to this day. Oh, I got to read it now. Um, it's so good. Cause that's, yeah. I also find myself getting in a hamster wheel of like those cyclical negative thoughts of like not doing well enough in things or not, you know, being good enough. Um, so I feel like that's right up my alley. What, along with that, do you have ways that you combat burnout? Yes. Working out, working out, working out, working out (laughs) so much. I love to do cardio. Um, I did track and field in college. And when I tell you, I hate running, I I used to hate running. I was a long jumper. Like don't ask me to do anything longer than a hundred meter run. (laughs) Um, but now that's all I do. I love to run up and down the Brooklyn piers. Like I love to, I love the feeling of my endorphins running and Mm -hmm. my blood pumping. Like you just feel refreshed. Um, and then also I love to use Sunday as my self care day. And mm. so I'll like tune in to um, Elevation Church, which I love. Um, I don't know if you're spiritual at all, but highly recommend if you haven't okay. listened. Okay. Um, but also I'm huge into bubble baths. So I'll take a double mm. bubble bath or I'll like take 10 hours to wash my hair because this Afro is so complex. <laughs> and I'll like, you know, catch up on my favorite net- Netflix show or, you know, clean up around the house. Like it's really like about a me day. Yeah. Okay. So what are you, what are you watching when you're looking for programming? Um, for me, I love sci-fi, like fantasy, like growing up, my favorite book was Aragon. It's about a dragon uh, and a kid who can talk to a dragon. Um, so, and I also love horror movies, which sort of doesn't fit into like self-care, but like, I just love it. (laughs) It gets some energy out in some way. (laughs) It gets my blood pumping. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. Now let's, we're going into the hot take. So anything that comes to mind. We'd love your hot take on the importance of intersectional feminism. Okay. Because I also, I don't think a lot of people understand this concept. So if you're able to elaborate on that. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say that I used to proudly call myself a feminist, but mm-hmm. over the last year or so, I've, especially from a dating perspective, I yeah. see how sometimes it can harm the, I guess it can harm women when it comes to always being strong and independent. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think intersectional feminism is interesting because it sort of combines the old with the new. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, I, I, I I don't know. I try to stay away from the title now, Yeah. Uh, but I think for me it's intersectional feminism is sort of defeating that stereotype that women just want to dominate and do everything. And it's Mm -hmm. more about women just wanting to be at peace and love each other Mm -hmm. um, and have fairness and equality. And, 
no more, no less. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that's all I can really have to say about that. But I will also say from a dating perspective, mm-hmm. um, I actually asked um, on my Instagram story last week, should a man pay for the first date? And there mm. was so much conversation back and forth about whether they should or shouldn't, or a woman should offer. And does that, you know, make the man less than, and there's a lot of conversation about that. And I just feel like that sort of falls back into the intersectional feminism bucket. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause I can, I guess I can, I don't, I mean, I, yeah, as an independent, it's hard to be an independent woman and then label yourself a feminist and feel kind of like boxed in by what those like traditional ideals of that works. I also exactly. feel like that whole world is evolving as everyone starts opening their eyes and realizing like, also, <laughs> it's not all about you. <laughs> like it's right? about everyone else around you and like truly empathizing and understanding and supporting where everyone is coming from. Um, and yeah, there's, there's just so much complexity to it. And so it feels like a, a bit of a touchy subject, but also fascinating yeah. at the same time to hear people's thoughts and opinions on it. Uh, where do you fall on the first date pay or let them pay? So the old me would say, I will offer to pay and I would hope that he'd be like, no, I have this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the me of today says, no, I'm going to rest in my femininity and mm. he should be the person to pay. And me being the woman, and this is going to sound a bit traditional, should not even ever have to ask for a first date because at the end of the day, and this is going to sound so trashy, but it's uh-huh. true. Yeah. The sperm swims to the egg, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, biologically, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I've been in several relationships in the past where, like, I allowed, you know, my my independence to sort of dominate the relationship. And I think mm. at the end of the day, that sort of combats nature. Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're humans at the end of the day, and, you know, we've evolved over time. But nature says the man provides and the woman mm. takes care. Now, of course, that's going to fluctuate, like, Sure. Nothing is ever, you know, black and white. But yeah. I think especially when it comes to courting, chivalry is so important. I think it really should be the man who puts in that first stitch effort. Yeah. I also think I love that. I love the metaphor of the sperm swims to the egg. I've never thought of it in those terms, <laughs> but that's great. I also think that it's, you know, different... Uh, different what is a different something for different boats or whatever oh yes yes and it's like uh you it's different strokes for different folks that's it (laughs) close enough my brain has gotten worse over the years but the i also feel like yeah it's as long as you stand in your strength in whatever you know you can provide to a relationship versus like the strength of what you know you need from a relationship uh, then you're good. Once that becomes imbalanced in some way and you're providing more than you need or, you know, you're needing more than you're providing, that's when I think a relationship starts to get a little rocky. Exactly. Um, it's all about ebb and flow. Yeah, it is interesting that there's like such a, yeah, the idea of wanting to be an independent, strong, confident woman doesn't take away from the fact that you want to be cared for and in a loving like partnership with someone <laughs> exactly like uh, i can't wear the pants and do the dishes yeah, somebody's yeah. gotta do something <laughs> yeah exactly and that can change at any point um okay we're gonna take one last break when we get back uh we are gonna keep this kind of advice train going and see if we can offer some advice to a listener we'll be right back with more not too deep not, 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 
We are back in and we're going to offer some advice to listeners. Let's see. This question um, is about career. And I think you might have an interesting perspective on it. Uh, This person says, I'm currently a psychology major with a dance minor, but I have realized that I want to dance professionally after graduation and not pursue something psych related at the moment. Do you think your degree has set you up for anything that has happened in your career? My parents are pressuring me to go straight to grad school or something psych related, but I obviously don't want to do that. I'm currently mid existential crisis. So anything about any of this will be helpful. Thanks so much. Oh, this speaks to my soul. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I'm pretty sure you might have some advice on this. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So firstly, I'll say I actually have a friend who is a celebrity guitarist. Mm -hmm. She, um, we, she, we met in college. She, uh, had her major in math and her minor was in, um, music. Okay. Um, and now she does, you know, music full time. She's worked with Beyonce, um, Fantasia, wow. you know, the work, Jay-Z, all of that. And, you know, and she's doing really well, but she always has that major, you know, mm-hmm. that experience to fall back on. She's incredibly smart. Yeah. I would say for me, I also encourage her to pursue dance. Like, if you're going to do it, especially if you're going to do it before grad school, like go full force, like don't yeah. half-ass it. Like if you're going to really make this, the sacrifice, especially if your parents are like challenging that decision, like mm-hmm. do everything in your power to, to prove them wrong. Like see mom and dad, I got it. For mm-hmm. me, when I transitioned to modeling or when I actually first tried out for Sports Illustrated, yeah, I asked for my parents for permission because they had drilled education into me so deeply. I was sort of almost nervous to step outside of what they had raised me to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so maybe you have to have that conversation with your parents and be like, listen, I love you guys. You know, I'm about to graduate and I'm so excited for the future. However, something deep in my soul is telling me to, you know, pursue dance for, for now. And of course Mm -hmm. I can always go back to psychology later down the line, but I, I would love to have your support on my journey. And I think they'll receive that very well if you present it in that type of way. Yeah, I think, yeah, being very gentle about it, but also confident in your conviction about it, that there's grad school will always be there. Higher education will always be an option at some point, but your legs are only going to work for so long in the ways that you want them to work. And so I also think in this, I don't mean this in a bleak way, but like you're saying, like, if you're going to do it, go a hundred percent into it. Cause that way, if it doesn't work out, you'll, you won't have those what ifs I had tried harder at the yeah, time, like exactly. go for it. And if you fail, you did it. You, yes, you got it. You can say of, you tried. Yep. You got it out and you'll never have to live with like the older version of you in a constant state of wonder about all of it feeling ever. <laughs> what what are your thoughts on like if you pursue a creative career and it like when do you decide that it might be time to go back to like the more stable situation? I would say when it brings you more pain than it is joy. Mm-hmm. Um and pain is a very broad term, stress, yeah. financial woes, um yeah. you don't know how you're going to eat anymore, you don't know how you're going to pay your next month's rent. Mm-hmm. Those are all challenges. Survival and living are 
obviously key. They're number yeah. one. Everything yeah. else falls after that. So if it's challenging your 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 living and your ability to live, I think that's when maybe you need a question, maybe taking a pause, going back to something more stable, maybe asking for help from a loved mm-hmm. one, um, but never put yourself in a position where you can't meet those basic fundamental needs to, yeah. to live as a person. That's great. That's really helpful, simple, straightforward advice. <laughs> um, did I read somewhere that you have a digital marketing firm, by the way? I do. Can you tell us anything about that? Because <laughs> you had said before that you're an entrepreneur. And so, and then I saw this, I think, in an interview that you did. And I was like, what's that? Yeah. So although I am a model full time, I still wanted to connect back some way to my marketing background. Mm. Um, and so I still, I stood up Elysium Social the month after I quit my corporate job. Um, mm. It's a social media marketing agency that caters to small businesses who are either looking to stand up their social media or whose social media presence currently needs a facelift. Mm. Um, and so I really liked in the experience I had in the corporate world. I I identify that there's a lot of boomers or, you know, older generations who are scared of social media and what does it mean? And they're confused about it and they're not doing it well. Um, And so I I identify that niche and that need. And so Mm -hmm. now I sort of target those types of business owners to help them. Wow. Is there, I mean, not to take away from your, your business and what you offer, but is there one piece of social media advice that you would offer to people, even if they're just individuals operating online rather than big businesses? Yeah. Um, There's a lot I could give. I would say (laughs) consistency is key. Um, Mm. And I know it's hard for all of us because some of us have additional jobs outside of just that business or, you know, life gets ahead of us. Um, But consistency and even at me as a business owner, I can tell you, I don't even do it that well. Um, But consistency is truly key, especially in the social realm. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether you need to batch post, uh, like batch, create a month's worth of content and schedule it all out, or mm-hmm. maybe you need to outsource someone to do it for you. Just make sure you're keeping that presence because when a person looks at your brand, the first thing they do is click that Instagram icon or that Facebook icon. And, and if you haven't posted since 2012, that might deter <laughs> someone from buying your, your product or your service. <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, today we've gotten to the end of the podcast and this has been so lovely. I feel like I could talk to you for hours about everything. Um, but before we wrap up, we love to give our guests a little token of appreciation for making time for us. And that is a personalized horoscope that we have created for you. We are not astrologers. So <laughs> uh, Melissa, just put it in the chat for you if you're able to read that out loud. Yes, let me pull it up. Take your time. Dear Taurus, bull of the stars, you might be headed for some summer loving when Mars in Virgo opposes Neptune in Pisces this week. But be warned that passionate affairs might not work out when you ultimately get hit up with the you up text at 10 p.m. <laughs> it's in the stars. No, it is. <laughs> Wait, so this means that love is on the way though, right? Love is on the way. <laughs> <Bet>. <laughs> Fingers crossed, but watch those you up texts. Uh, today, where can people find you online and everything you're up to if they don't already know? Yes, you can find me everywhere at Tanae Dubs, T-A-N-A-Y-E-D-U-B-Z. Um, that's my name across every social media platform. Uh, feel free to DM me if you ever need some dating advice or yes. modeling tips. <laughs> Sweet. And also, we look forward to seeing you in an upcoming Fenty campaign. 
cannot wait. Uh, <laughs> thank you again so much. This has been so fun. Thank you, Grace. Of course. We'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. 